Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube. But ultimately, you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Hi, and welcome back to Christian Life Church Online. Again, we're glad you joined with us. And we're going to be continuing our uh, series on soundtracks. Uh, I'm holding up a pair of socks here. And this month in October at Christian Life Church, we have uh, adequately named it Socktober. We are uh, bringing in over a thousand pairs of socks this month to give to Salvation Army for people that are without homes, living on the street, Socks are very important for these folks as, uh, as many of them are outdoors all the time. Their feet get wet, they get cold, and daily many of them need a change of socks. And so they can go to a, a great charity, a great ministry like Salvation Army, and they will supply what they need. They're only able to, able to do it though if people give them what they need. And so we wanna do our part and uh, we're going to be delivering uh, over a thousand pairs of brand new socks for people for Socktober. And if you wanna be part of that, let us know and uh, you can drop socks off at Christian Life Church on Jefferson Avenue in Winnipeg. Hit us up through our website if you wanna do that. Well, I wanna to talk to you today about spiraling, about reversing the spiral. It's easy for people to, um, to get into these emotional and mental spirals and negative thinking. And, and I don't know if you've ever been overcome with spiraling thoughts. I have. I think a lot of people do. There are negative thoughts that spin out of control. Our thinking, our believing becomes really negative and we're like, I'm just expecting the very worst possible thing to happen. Some of the worst times that people spiral is um, when they go to bed at night. Sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night or wake up early in the morning and they lay there. And uh, when people are going through depression, they call this ruminating. And they'll lay there and ruminate and they'll spiral and get themselves really into a place of, of deep, dark, discouraging, depressing thoughts. I, I speak from experience. I've been there, I've done it. I've gone through some depression in my own life and, uh, and it's, it's really a hard thing to go through. But um, as we talk about it and we feel those feelings of, of being overwhelmed or, or vulnerable or threatened, sometimes it, it comes as a result of people are worried about their debt their finances, their family, their health concerns, maybe about retirement, maybe about their children or, or whatever. Uh, people feel like they're sinking. Sometimes we feel challenged when we're out of our element. 
or when we're in over our head. Now I want to share with you a passage of scripture from 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to be focusing what I'm talking today on, uh, on Elijah. Uh, really a, a great man of God in the Old Testament. And let me read this passage of scripture to you. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judea, or in Judah, he left his servant there. Now it goes on to say later on when he had an encounter, you know, with, with the Lord, he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. And he says, I, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. So he just kept repeating this. He was threatened. Fear took over. And he recited all the things that, that had gone wrong, all the things that he thought could go wrong. And he was talking about gloom and doom and everything that is going to happen to him. That's terrible. Everybody's turned from God. They killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left alone. I'm the only man of God left alone. And now they're coming for me. He went into an emotional, mental, and a spiritual spiral. Spiraling and spinning thoughts take us down some very dark roads. And as we've been talking about soundtracks, those, those soundtracks that we listen to in our heads, those soundtracks that are negative and destructive, we oftentimes find that they're triggered or turned on by thoughts, experiences, trauma, or stress. So here's Elijah, this great man of God. And we're going to learn some stuff today from his experience about how Elijah spiraled. And that didn't make him a failure. It didn't make him less of a man of God. It didn't make him less effective as a servant of God. You know what it did? It shows us that he was human. It shows us that he had the same vulnerabilities that every one of us have, that any of us can experience spiraling thoughts. So the first thing I wanna talk about today is how Elijah got there. Now. When we think about how Elijah got to this place of, of feeling like he was all alone and he was going to die and all of, everybody had turned away from God, what led up to this? How did he get there? Well, it's for sure a fact that there were very wicked people in high places. Uh, two of them, the, the most powerful, was King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. They were wicked, wicked people. They had... Um, erected you know idols and promoted idolatry and the worship of Baal they had turned people away from God in Israel through their influence through their leadership it permeated through the whole land and the whole nation was led astray 
They led people away from God. They themselves were rebelling against God and they led the nation away from God into a rebellious relationship with God. In 1 Kings chapter 16, 33, it says about Ahab, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. I mean, this is a bad dude. This guy is wicked. He is evil. It just permeated from every pore of his body. And he had really angered God. They had wicked schemes. They had wicked plans. And Proverbs chapter 12 too says, good people obtain favor from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. In verse seven, it says, the wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. And so this is what awaited them. Unbeknownst to them, God was going to overthrow them. But at this point in time in the story, they were in their own minds still on top. They were still in control. They were encouraging the worship of Baal. They had made idols. Uh, Ahab's wicked wife Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord. And yet they had the audacity one day when, when Ahab encountered Elijah, you know what he called him? He called him the troubler of Israel. So here's this one good man, this one godly man, and, he, and, and this is the, the, the title he gives him. You're a trouble over, troubler of Israel. You're a troublemaker. And what Ahab's problem with Elijah was, is he stood in the way of his wicked plans. He was an obstacle. And in, so in his mind, he was a troublemaker. He was a rabble rouser. He was, a, he was in rebellion because he had... He had gone against what became normal in culture. When you go against what's normal in culture, you're going to get called a few names. He challenged the status quo. He stood up and he acted in such a way as to challenge the direction of society. In our culture, there is an increasing intolerance of anything that's righteous or holy or of God. And people are very divided over these issues today. And, and it looks like it was the same in Israel back then. That you didn't stand against the, the plans of Ahab and Jezebel. You didn't stand, upon the, stand against the, the direction that the country was going. If you did, you were labeled a troublemaker. And that's what happened to Elijah. So Elijah had actually challenged the power structures that existed in government and in the religious order. And so what's the background here? Well, he went to Mount Carmel and he gathered 450 prophets of Baal and he challenged them, you could say, to a duel. And he got them to call out to their God. And, and so they shouted, they danced, and, and it says they cut themselves. And I guess there was blood gushing out. And, and, and their gods did not answer them. You see, these prophets of Baal had aligned themselves with Ahab and vice versa. Ahab had aligned himself, himself with the prophets of, of Baal. And Jezebel, she was in there like a dirty shirt. And so they garnered favor with one another. Elijah built an altar 
at this standoff on Mount Carmel. And he had a sacrifice put on it. And he flooded it with water. And he called on the Lord. And, he, and, and he, when he called on the Lord, the Lord answered. And, and fire from heaven came down and consumed the burnt offering. Not only did it consume the burnt offering, the fire that came down from heaven when Elijah called upon the Lord also consumed the wood, the stones, the dust. And there was actually a trench of water around this sacrifice and it licked up the water as well. A pretty big miracle. As a result of that, the prophets of Baal were put to death then and there. A prolonged drought miraculously ended and God sent rain. And this is where the spiraling begins. My second point that I want to make today is this. Fear promotes spiraling. If you give in to fear, you're probably going to experience spiraling in your thoughts and in your emotions. Success, past success, does not prevent a person from spiraling today or tomorrow. You see, Elijah was at the top of his game. One day he's calling fire down from heaven, and the next day he's in the dumps. Great success and favor with God, the ability to perform miracles, does not make us immune to experiencing lows in our lives. I wish it were tr true the other, that, that, that if you were a holy person, a holy man or woman of God, that you'd never have a low point, you'd never get depressed, you'd never get discouraged, but that is just not reality for any of us. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, Jezebel hears about this utter defeat and humiliation. A humiliated king or queen can oftentimes resort to extreme measures and threats to retain power. Now we're seeing this in our own world today where you have humiliated leaders, defeated leaders responding with, with venomous threats. Well, this is what I'm going to do now. And the whole idea is to strike fear into their enemy to get them to back down. And that was what happened with Elijah. He had slaughtered these prophets of Baal. He had humiliated them. He'd shown them up to be weak and, and spineless and defeated. And so she threatened, Jezebel threatened Elijah's life. Now Elijah didn't laugh at this. He didn't get a kick out of it. He didn't make a mockery of it. No, he started to spiral. And it was a fairly quick spiral that he went through. She just threatened his life and he began to spiral. Now, what are some of the things that people spiral about? I think debt today is one that people spiral about. I owe lots of money on my credit card. It's only gonna get worse. I can't pay it off. I'm not earning enough. I'm gonna go broke. They're gonna take away my house. I'm, I'm a failure. I, I'm a lousy money manager. Those are some of the thoughts that people have when they begin to spiral. I'm ashamed. I'm dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. And people feel so terrible about that. And they can spiral over that or thousands of other things in life. Spiraling happens when fear overtakes our faith.
Fear throws up obstacles and blinds us to solutions. Elijah was afraid. When his life was threatened by Queen Jezebel, he knew that she had the means, the power, and the will, the desire, the determination to kill him. She also had a very well-established track record of killing prophets of the Lord. She had a well-established track record of tyranny and hatred toward the people of God. Now, at the time that we're recording this, we're living in a rapidly changing world. And this message is probably going to resonate, you for, resonate with you for a couple of reasons. Um, you see, we, we see a leader today in this world who's being diminished, who is making unprecedented threats and instilling fear across the entire world. Why? Well, because he's experiencing loss and defeat and humiliation. And so the rhetoric gets ratcheted up. Ratcheted up. And as I, as I sit here, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or next week. Who knows what can happen? But we do know that, that we're seeing actually the same tactic that Jezebel used in instilling fear and making threats in the face of intimidation and, 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 and failure and defeat. And that same spirit that was alive back in Jezebel's days is still very much alive in the world today. It's still a tactic that the enemy uses on people. So Elijah spiraled. Spiraling exaggerates our problems. And we see it here in 1 Kings chapter 19, 10. He says, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Well, the fact of the matter was, he was not alone. There were others that stood with him. Here's another thought about spiraling. Spiraling prevents us from finding solutions. Spiraling, here's another idea. Spiraling causes us to react instead of act. What does it say he did in the Bible? He ran and hid. Spiraling hits us in the seat of our emotions. People get depressed. They feel defeated, deflated, isolated, and they become filled with fear when they spiral. In this case, he actually feared death. And there are people that are listening to this that are afraid of death. You might have some news from a doctor. You might be dealing with a disease or a sickness and, and you're thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is it. I'm not going to make it. Well, third thing I want to talk today about is, is changing the channel. What I love about this story is that Elijah had an encounter with God and it helped him change the channel. It helped him switch soundtracks and and think about other things. Now, remember what his soundtrack was? I'm alone. There's no one else. They're going to kill me. We oftentimes need an encounter with the Lord when we begin to spiral. Now, this is a really common passage of Scripture when we think about our thoughts. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and I'm sure I've said this before. I know I have. I've used... I've quoted this scripture dozens of times over the years. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, true, 
whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy about this stuff, meditate on these things. I kind of paused and looked at this word, good report, this phrase, good report. In the Greek, in the original writing, it kind of interprets it as something that is fair sounding or acceptable, good report. Is your soundtrack of good report or is it all bad news? Is it all intimidation and all threats and, and all doom and gloom? When we think of virtue, it says if there's any virtue in these things, we oftentimes think of virtue as morality. Well, that is a virtuous person. In other words, we think, well, they're moral. They have good morals. Yet in scripture, virtue is hardly ever used when referencing our morality or our sexuality. Rather, it seems to suggest that if there's anything good, anything that's worthy of consideration, anything that's above or better than common thoughts or ideas, that those are the things, those are the virtuous things that we ought to think about. One biblical commentator put it this way, that believers were to think about these things, and this indicates God's involvement in every aspect in the life of the believer. At the same time that believers are commanded to live according to, his, to God's ways, he does the work. Yet he gives us work to do. Be holy. Okay? As I am holy, God makes us holy, but he also asks us to be holy. Believers are called to trust in the Lord. They're called to serve the Lord. And Paul set an example for us to do both. He was faithful in prayer, yet he gave every bit of his life to serve the Lord. Now the Lord gave Elijah something else to think about. He changed the soundtrack. See, Elijah was saying, I'm alone, I'm defeated, I'm threatened, they're gonna kill me. To, he gave him a soundtrack of hope. His soundtrack was his own thoughts, his own imagination, his own ideas. God's soundtrack was life-giving for Elijah and it's life-giving for you if you're listening to the wrong soundtrack. Now it's very interesting that the way God changed Elijah's soundtrack was with a still, small voice. It was with a gentle whisper. He didn't yell at him. In 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 12, it says, the Lord told him what to do. He whispered it to him, didn't yell it at him. The Lord told him what to do. And back and forth, God is speaking to him and he's instructing him. And he was telling Elijah what he wanted him to do. And then Elijah did it. God is involved in our lives and we have a part to play in God's involvement in our lives. See, God instructed him. God encouraged him. But he also wants us to get off of our couches, off of our behinds, and do something. It's not enough to say, 
you know, God changed this situation in my city or in my neighborhood or in my home. He wants us to get up and do something. God bless my church and make it grow, but I'm not going to bother going. I'm not going to bother attending. I'll just sit here and pray that good things happen. You see, God works with us. And God instructed him. God encouraged him. And so that soundtrack changed from I'm all alone. And God showed him that that was not true. That in fact, there were actually 7,000 other people like him. God showed him that. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, The Spirit of truth comes, and he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose what is to come. So the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. He leads us. He speaks to us. Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as the comforter. And if you're listening to a soundtrack that is discomforting, if it's causing fear, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks truth, but we recognize that there is an evil one who also likes to be heard, and he's called the father of lies, Satan himself. And John 8, 44 says that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's his language. He lies. And so as, as Elijah was listening to this soundtrack, I'm all alone. They're going to kill me. I'm utterly defeated. I'm ruined. That was not God's soundtrack. That was actually lies that he was listening to. And we could all do that if we're not careful. So as I close today, I want to say this. In 1 John 4, 6, it says, There is a spirit of truth and a spirit of falsehood in this world today. In, uh, in verse 1, it says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And so it goes back to the three questions that I've talked about in other messages. Is it true? Is what I'm listening to in my head right now, is it true? Does it align with the scriptures? Does it bear witness with my spirit, with the Holy Spirit that dwells in me? Does it bear witness? Is this good? Is it pure? Is it noble? Is it upright? Is it praiseworthy? Does it focus me on the goodness of God or does it fill me with fear? Is it true? And if it's filling people with fear, it's probably not true. And we need to be really discerning of what is of God and what is not of God because there are a lot of messages out there that Satan is using because he wants to fill you with fear and intimidation. He wants to immobilize you. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to walk in darkness, not in light. So is it true? The other question, is it helpful? Does it lead to solutions or sulking? To victory or vices? Do you, do you crack a, a bottle of whiskey open to bury your sorrows? 
Or does it cause you to rejoice in the goodness of God? Does it cause you to look to God with hope and, and anticipation, with faith and expectancy? Does it lead to victory or vices? Does it lead to freedom or bondage? Are you imprisoned in your mind or are you free in your mind? And thirdly, is it kind? Are your thoughts, is your soundtrack tearing you down? Is it accusing you? Is it hypercritical? Is it telling you that you're doomed, that you're not going to make it? Those are three questions that we ought to ask ourselves all the time. And so I want to encourage you to take a page from Elijah's life and say, man, this is a, a great man of God who also struggled with soundtracks. He also struggled with negative thinking. He also struggled with doubt and with fear. I struggle with doubt and fear. So I guess I, I understand and that, that I, I could go through the same things that Elijah's going through. And he found his, his truth by listening to the Spirit of God who spoke to him in a still small voice. If you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. These are the functions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws nigh to us. And we feel the, have the presence of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to have that removed from my life. I don't want to go through my life without the presence and the nearness of the Holy Spirit. I need it. You need it. We all need it. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're not a follower of Christ, say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins. And Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me to overflowing. Fill my mind. Fill my heart. Fill my life. Fill my thoughts with your thoughts. And the nice thing is that as we walk with God and as we pray along those lines, we can begin to listen and understand and recognize that still small voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to listen to the Lord. I encourage you to listen to his soundtracks because they'll change your life. Well, thank you so much for joining with us today. And I pray that if you have been spiraling, that you'll be able to reverse the spiral. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. Read it through. Pray it through. Ask the Lord to, to change your perspective and to, to get God thoughts in your mind and in your heart if you've been struggling with spiraling. And learn to trust him. Learn to believe him. Because no matter how bad things are out there, God is still good. And he's still got plans for your life. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you join us again next week.